Hello everyone, my name is Amanda Ostrander. I am a teacher turned homeschool mom and this is the Raising A to Z homeschool podcast. And today we're gonna to talk about what to do when your kids are refusing to do work. What do you do when your kids don't wanna work? When you wake up in the morning and pull out their workbooks and the entire session is basically fighting and screaming and tears and refusal and everything is taking twice as long as it should, what do you do? First off, you take a deep breath and realize you're not alone and it's totally normal. Even families who have a homeschool consultant and have teachers for parents, like me, our kids still do work refusal on occasion. Everybody who has homeschooled kids will deal with work refusal at some point in their lives. It is, it is totally normal. It is valid. It can be frustrating and I understand that, but it is normal and you are not alone. Okay. So today I'm going to go through what do we do when we're dealing with work refusal and basically give you kind of like a flow chart of what to do depending on different circumstances. The first thing we're going to do when we're doing our little flow chart here is basically, is it sporadic or is it a reoccurring daily issue? So if it's sporadic, your kids randomly woke up this morning and you pull the books out and they're like, I don't want to do it. I can't do it, I'm, and they're crying or whatever. And you're like, this is not you. You never give me an issue. What is going on here? If it's random and it's just out of the blue, that's sporadic. If it's a regular occurrence, if this is a fight every single day, if it's a fight more than once a week, I would say probably more like more than twice a week that you're having issues with like fighting and work refusal, that would be more of a regular occurrence. Okay, so if it is a sporadic occurrence, let's go down that tree branch for a second. So if it's a sporadic occurrence, the first thing we need to do is look at what is going on around our child at the time. Did they have a rough night? Have they been ill? Did they have a really crazy busy weekend? Um, are there things happening in your family that are kind of throwing them off? What is happening around them that's making today just be too much? And that's a really important thing to remember when we're talking about work refusal. Kids are, when they're refusing to work, they're trying to communicate. They don't have the vocabulary. They don't have the understanding of what's the problem necessarily, but they're trying to tell us that something's not right. And sometimes, oftentimes, especially if it's sporadic, they're tired, they're sick, they're overwhelmed and it comes out as frustration and refusal. And if we can look at that and see what it is around them that is the problem, we can either A, address the issue, like, oh, do you need a nap? Do you need a snack? Oh my, I can't even tell you the number of times my kids are fighting, have fought with me, and I'm like, hey, do you want a cheese string? Give them a cheese string in 10 minutes and they're back, no problem. Like. They're just going through a growth spurt and they're hungry. Awesome. Feed them and then move on. Like if we can fix the problem quickly, let's do that. If that's like, let's not make it a bigger issue. Let's not fight over things like, oh, they're hungry. Well, you just ate breakfast. You can eat again when we're done. Just feed them. Like it's not worth it. You know, let's, if we can fix the issue quickly. Awesome. Like, like I said, if it's just a issue of getting a piece of cheese or an apple while they're working, go for it. If it's something bigger, like they're tired, they had an overly busy weekend, there's lots of things that are going on, maybe we can take the time and work on something that I like to call is listening to our bodies and saying, hey, you're tired, you're 
you're really busy. These things that this happened in our family this week, it's a little overwhelming. Let's let's take some time and just take a mental health day or let's cut back on what we're going to do. Hey, I know I was going to ask you to do two pages of math and a spelling and a phonics and whatever. Let's just do one page of math and one phonics. Can we do that? Awesome. If you can't and you decide, hey, we're just going to take a mental health day, go for it. That's an awesome option. I think that's one of the incredible things about homeschooling is that we can listen to our kids when they're saying they're not capable of functioning. I saw this all the time in schools when I was teaching. I particularly remember this one day I had this poor kid come in and he could not do anything all day at school. It was absolutely a mess. And when parents picked him up that night, I was like, oh, he had a, a rough night. They're like, oh yeah, you know, we got in from a hockey game, from a hockey tournament at like two in the morning last night. He was second grade. So he was seven, seven. Yeah, seven. 2 a.m. and then he was at school at eight. There's no way that he got enough sleep that night. And considering I have brother played hockey, I know what happens at hockey tournaments. He didn't get enough sleep all weekend. So now he's here at school and his behavior is off and he can't fun focus or function. And, you know, it's he's exhausted. And because, you know, in schools, attendance and perfect attendance is pushed so hard. It's it's a negative like it doesn't necessarily help kids when they actually need the break. So as homeschoolers, I think it's important that we find ways to respect our kids' energy and their time and teach them how to do that for themselves, to take the mental health breaks, to take the physical health breaks when they need them, and to respect that their bodies are telling them something and to listen to that. So you can take the entire day off and just say, we're done. It's totally okay, especially if it's sporadic. Like if you're taking one day off a month, the world will not collapse. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be fine. So the other thing you can do is if your kids are like, we are not interested, we just can't get through it today, you can switch it up. It's a great time to do something like maybe you're like, hey, instead of us doing spelling, phonics and grammar, do you want to like go to bed and cuddle and I'll read to you? Like I can read either a picture book or we can read a couple extra chapters of that novel we've been working on. Um, like we can do something like that. Hey, do you want another option would be like a board game? Um, there's lots of really like educational board games out there that might take the stress and like the overwhelming feeling of like looking at workbook pages off and maybe pull out like a, a board game. It's also, if that's like too much for them, a documentary is a great option. There's tons of documentaries out there that are kid friendly and like it would be a great option and it's something that would be fairly easy for you to like pull out for them. And so you're still getting something educational and you're still getting something that they're learning something from, but it's just taking the request level down. It's taking like what they need to produce down. They're still absorbing. They're just not having to physically put out and produce, you know, answers, produce worksheets, produce writing. They can just kind of take some time and absorb. And it's a lot less stress for them. So that's what I recommend if it is a very sporadic work refusal day. It's fine. Take a break. Do something else that educational, but it's like low demand or, you know, negotiate and say just less work. Like there's lots of things that we can do 
to work with our kids when they are overwhelmed and they're having a sporadic day of just like not wanting to work. Lots of options. But what do you do when you are facing work refusal on a regular basis? When it's happening two, three, four times a week if or every day? Like what do you do when that is your reality? If it is a regular occurrence, it's time to look a little bit deeper. We're going to go down this branch of the tree now. If it is happening regularly, we need to take some time and really dive into what is the issue. The first issue that I often see is parents who have pulled their kids from school and they never de-schooled. This is fundamentally a problem. If you have pulled your kids out of school and you have not de-schooled, you are going to face work refusal at a much higher rate because you have not given your kids a chance to adjust. They have not had a chance to heal and they have not had a chance to understand that things are different. And you have not had a chance to understand that things are different and that your day is not going to look like school. It is fundamentally important that you take time to de-school. I have a whole video on that. I'll put the link here. But de-schooling is going to be the most important thing that you can do, especially if you're coming out of the public school system with trauma, whether it is work refusal issues at school, whether it is trauma like bullying, maybe there has been like a ton of frustrations over subjects or like difficulties with a teacher or a principal. If there's been any kind of like trauma at school and you're not de-schooling, you're not giving your kids a chance to heal emotionally, physically, and to adjust. And that is going to really, really cause a lot of, it's going to increase your likelihood of, of work refusal. So if you're having issues like that, first thing you need to make sure is that you actually de-schooled and took enough time to de-school. It's not a one-week process. Unless your kid was in school for three days, it's not a one-week process. It's going to be a little bit longer than that. Maybe a lot longer than what you were anticipating, but you need to do it. The next thing I look at is if you've de-schooled, are you doing too much and is it too hard? So coming out of that, is it too much is a huge, huge thing. Doing too much is very common in homeschooling and it's very common in families who are like, who are coming out of the public school system. I find families that have homeschooled from the beginning don't tend to have that same doing too much. It tends to be less common. Coming out of the public school system, because you've spent so much time and de-schooling is hard and it's an ongoing process. I am a teacher by trade and I still have to take moments and de-school myself because I have to remind myself that even though I've been homeschooling for the last six years, five years, six years, almost six years, there are things that don't need to happen because we're not school. And so sometimes we have to either like remind ourselves about that. But doing too much is very, very common. The number of like first graders, parents of first and second graders who are doing a three hour work time in the morning and expecting three hours, like, oh, I expect them to work from nine till three or nine till noon is astounding because not only is that not realistic and yes, you're going to have work refusal for sure. Um, it's, it's not good for anybody. Like you're not, you're putting too much in. It's too much for them. Um, the rule of thumb when it comes to school, homeschooling is 30, 20 to 30 minutes per grade. So a first grader should be doing, you know, 
20 to 30 minutes of seated work. Seated work. So if you have a, if you're expecting them to do three hours of paper to pencil work, it's not going to happen. It is unrealistic to expect that of them. And you're going out of their frustration of feeling like it's too much because their little brains cannot handle that much information and sitting still for that long, you're going to get work refusal and fights and it's going to happen. We don't want to do too much. Now, I like sometimes I know some people like that's just not enough time. That doesn't mean that like that's 30 minutes of like seated workbook work. Now, if you want to say like, hey, we're going to read a story and then we're going to do some workbooks and then we're going to like do a craft or we're going to do like art or we're going to do some bake. Like if you're going to do something else, that's fine. But I'm saying in terms of like actual like pencil to paper workbook time, you got to make sure you're not doing too much because that's where a lot of kids are getting their refusal from. It's they're not they're No one's kids are not refusing art time for the most part. They're refusing the pencil and paper part that comes first. So if you're doing too much, my first thing is you need to scale back scale way back. Um, start definitely looking at like core things and finding ways to make it less. Um, I always say you don't need to teach more than three subjects at a time. Like if you're teaching three subjects con- consistently, you're doing great. We do math, we do language, we do one unit study. That's And it alternates between science and social studies. But anyway, if you can find two or three subjects to do on a consistent basis, you can probably get through a lot more and your kids will be a lot more happy and a lot more willing to work because it's not overwhelming to them. They're not frustrated and they're not overly tired. So start by taking things out, things that are not necessary, things that are not fundamentally like all the extras, scale it way down. And then after you find it, like at the thing, find your level where everyone's happy If you want to add something, add one thing. And if everyone's good there, then you know maybe add another. So if you're saying, hey, I'm going to scale down to just language and math for a bit, do that. That's a great idea. Then after, you know, let's say a month and you're like, hey, this is working. I'm going to add science. We're going to do a science unit. We're going to do some science. And if everyone's happy with that, then great. And maybe a month later, like, hey, I also want to introduce geography. And then you like up the ante and everyone's like, yeah, that's awesome. Or everyone's like, no, no, that's too much. Then you can see kind of where your kids are hitting at. So remember, it's always easier to add things than it is to take away. We need to remember that with kids. So if you're finding your kids are fighting you, first off, scale way back, scale down to an appropriate number of time, like amount of time and a lower number of subjects. And then find what's comfortable for everybody and then add in. The other thing we want to look at is, is it too hard? This is a very common thing, especially for kids who are coming out of the public school system, especially if they have had academic struggles struggles in the system. Are they missing things that are making what you're doing right now too hard? Um, it's very easy to compare what your kid is doing to someone else. It's very easy to compare what one kid is doing to the other. So that's the first thing we need to remember is that we can't compare our kids to anybody. Our kids are on their own path and their own journey. And as homeschooling parents, we are respecting that path and that journey and helping them to continuously move forward and to continuously make bigger steps and bigger strides. 
and become better at something. But if we're looking at it and we're like, hey, we're going to do multiplication and your kid's like, I don't even understand how to do addition and I can't skip count, your kids are going to struggle with multiplication. So sometimes it is not just a taking a step back. It is like in terms of the amount of time, it's taking a step back in terms of levels. Maybe even though your kid is in grade four, you need to take them back to grade three. And if you're taking a step back, what I often recommend is get a cheap curriculum. So if you're like, hey, this is working really well. So go to like a Costco or whatever and pick up like a Math Smart or like something like that because it's going to be like 20 bucks. And if you only do a quarter of it because that's all your kid was missing, then you don't feel super guilty about spending $150 on a new math program. But go back, find something that go something kind of cheap, but it is going to cover kind of like the basis and then it will help you see where they are. So you can go through like, hey, do you know how to do this? Yep. Awesome. Great. Move on. You know how to do this? Yep. Awesome. Move on. This, ooh, I'm struggling. That's hard. Okay. This is where we've, we've lost it. Let's work on this section here for a little bit. And if that's all they need, they're like, Hey, you got it. We can go back to this now. Cause now that you know this, this will be easier. Definitely consider taking it back a level. If your kids are feeling like it's too hard, don't feel bad. Go back and build that firm foundation for them so that they can be successful later on. You'd rather things be slightly easy and then kind of rush through it than be a struggle that is going to cause tears and make them spend hours and fights and it's just not worth it. The next thing you can try if this is, if you've taken things down, it's, you've, you know, you're at the right level. Maybe it's time to look for a new curriculum. I rarely recommend looking for a new curriculum off as the first thing because it is a, a very expensive thing to do to constantly change curriculums every time you're facing a struggle. Um, and the grass isn't always greener. So it's not always the best option to automatically go to changing curriculums. But if you have taken down how much time you're doing and you've gone down levels and you're still finding a lot of struggle, it's time to look at your curriculum. And I'm going to say this in terms of like two separate options. One, maybe you need to change your curriculum entirely. And one, two, maybe you just need a break. If you, I often recommend taking a break first. Hear me out. Sometimes, especially when you have kids who come from the public system, they are just overwhelmed and maybe it's just time to do something different. And they just need a little bit of a break from their old curriculum to kind of like almost like a palate cleansing situation. So if your kids are really frustrated all of a sudden with their like grammar and phonics program or like their reading program, maybe it's time to take a break and do something different. Maybe it's time to like pull out a novel study or do like a unit on poetry or do something that is similar but different. You know what I mean? Same kind of subject, but like totally different. Maybe for your, you know, kids who are struggling with math, maybe it's time to like, hey, we're going to take a break and we're going to do, you know, I know we're working on multiplication. Let's take a break. Let's go do fractions and we're going to do like a unit on like fractions and baking. Or we're going to do like a unit on, you know, money and we're going to just work on like play, like playing money and doing money games and pull some a whole bunch of games that are money related and all of that. 
maybe that's what you need is just like a little bit of a break. And there are some great units out there, some great kind of like options. Teacher Pay Teachers is fantastic if you want to just pull random little things that are going to be different. And maybe you want to say, you know, instead of doing your stuff, you're going to take time and do something totally different. Maybe you're going to take time to focus on like a totally different unit or, you know, find something that's totally an interest to them and just like dive deep into that or do like a passion project thing. Take some time, do something a little bit different. If after that you go back to your curriculum and it's still an issue, then it's time to look for a new curriculum base entirely. Um, some kids just don't connect with different programs. That's okay. It's normal. Everyone has their preferences. Everyone has what they connect to. Kids have different learning styles. They need different things. And maybe this program was your favorite and you're like, it is great and it's hitting everything I want and it's just not doing it for your kid. That's okay. Now is the time to say, hey, it's time to look for something new. And when we're looking for something new, we want to look for things that are going to be a little bit different um, from what you're doing. So if you have a high mastery program, maybe you want to go to something spiraled. If you have a program that is very like just paper and pencil, maybe you want to go to one that has a lot of manipulatives or that is very big into like hands-on learning. Maybe it's time to try something new. So, and in that sense, I would totally recommend looking, checking YouTube to see what people are using um, and look for like really good recommendations on curriculum, like in terms of like a full, like here's what this looks like on the inside. Um, if you have friends who homeschool, say, hey, can I see your math book? What do you like about it? What you don't you like about it? Tell me about it, that kind of stuff. So that is your chance to kind of change your curriculum. And I always offer it last because it's an it can be expensive to change your curriculum out, especially if it's like mid-year. But sometimes it can be a great thing if that's the problem. And the reason I offer it last is because sometimes it's not the issue. It is the attitude and the frustrations and the trauma behind it. And a lot of parents automatically go to change the curriculum. And if you haven't addressed any of those other issues, doesn't matter what curriculum you put in front of them, it's going to be a problem. And you're going to have, I'll spend a lot of money on curriculum that you're never going to get through because it was never the curriculum to begin with. Now, if you're like, I've done all this and I'm still struggling, my kids are still struggling with work refusal. I want to also mention that if you have children who have neurodiversities or learning issues, you're going to have struggles more often. And it is important to remember, again, that frustration and refusal is communication and looking for ways that we can work with our kids who have these different brains and whose brains are just wired differently to help them be as successful as possible. And I like I see this tons when I'm doing consulting and coaching work that kids who are neurodiverse, who have ADHD, who have who are on the spectrum, who have dyslexia, they have different needs and we need to be able to help them meet their needs and not work against them. And so sometimes it means doing things like finding accommodations for them. Things to consider, if you, especially if you know your kid has one of these diagnoses or you highly suspect it um, because it will it'll like, it won't hurt to try it. Um, but things like taking extra breaks, having scheduled breaks, you know, we're going to do 15 minutes and then it's going to be a break, 15 minutes and then it's going to be a break. Um, having really small sessions, like I was saying, 15 minutes and then moving on. 
um, having movement breaks. I was just talking with a client who was saying that they, she takes her kids for a walk before they do school and she notices on those days they do better. I'm like, that might have to be like a part, consistent part of your routine is that your children with ADHD are going to need to get out and burn a little bit more energy so they can focus and that they get that movement and be, are able to get enough stimulation so that they can focus later on. Um, finding, having some kind of reward at the end of their work session. Sometimes kids with ADHD need an external motivator to keep them going. And sometimes you need to find a reward at the end. Maybe it's going to be, hey, when you're all done, it's going to be 10 minutes of iPad time. Or it's going to be, we're going to go for a walk. Or it's going to be, you know, gummy bears. I don't know. But finding stickers, external motivation. And then the other thing that we definitely want to do is, especially if our kids are struggling or neurodiverse, we want to make sure that we're using technology to help us because sometimes it just takes them longer to do things and to to be able to do things properly. And so if we can find ways to make certain things easier or simpler then or more motivating, like they enjoy it more, then let's do it. So if your kid struggles with like writing, but they type and they love typing, let them type their assignments out. Um, if they're struggling with like the spelling aspect of like getting their like how to spell and they're trying to write like a paragraph or a story or a response, consider talk to text because then they don't have to do that spelling and grammar aspect. They can just get their ideas out and you can grade them basically on their ideas rather than like going through all the struggle of like paper to pencil that they just have a hard time with. If they're struggling with reading and you're like, hey, rather than us, than me getting you to read, Let's put an audiobook on. Or let's get an audiobook and the physical copy and like read them at the same time. So you can listen to it and see the words at the same time. Like let's use technology and its benefits to help our kids, especially when they have neurodiversity and they're struggling. So that's what I have to say if your kids are dealing with work refusal. Those are kind of like the biggest, most common scenarios. And I hope this was helpful and I hope that it helps eliminate, not eliminate because they're going to happen, but I hope, I hope it gives you a pathway of how to handle work refusal in the future. And I think if we remember that refusal and frustration is a form of communication, it takes that power struggle out for us as parents and our kids. And I think that by reframing work refusal and frustration from a, like a fighting to a form of communication, we take that power struggle out between them and us and we can definitely work with a conversation and find solutions when you have a conversation. And so let's remember that frustration is communication and that if we can listen and work with them, we can minimize the days that our kids are refusing to work. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want more information and inspiration about homeschooling, make sure you are subscribed to the Raising Agency Homeschool Podcast. And feel free to also follow me along on some of my social media platforms, such as Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Raising A to Z. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to talk with you guys next week.